Nurse.com is proud to be a sponsor of the Ask Nurse Alice podcast. As the premier destination for nursing knowledge and resources, Nurse.com supports your passion for healthcare with an unrivaled collection of tools, articles, and courses tailored for the nursing community. Get your daily dose of things you need to know for your nursing journey. Discover the world of nursing like never before with Nurse.com. Empower your practice, advance your career, and enrich your knowledge. Nurse.com. It's your nurse life all in one place. You're listening to Ask Nurse Alice, presented by Nurse.org, where Alice Benjamin combines no-nonsense advice with thought-provoking interviews. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Ask Nurse Alice podcast brought to you by Nurse.org. I'm your host, Nurse Alice, and it's such a pleasure to talk with you every single time. And look, when I come, I'm always bringing the thunder. I have like an amazing guest that's going to be joining us today. You guys have seen her. You've seen her on Instagram. You've seen her on YouTube. She's doing lots of wonderful things, and she's a fellow colleague. She is an advanced practice nurse, and I'm really excited to chat with her. And also, not just because she's a nurse, but because, you know, we're going to tackle the topic of women's health, which I think is very important. And as we know, a majority of nurses are uh, women, and although we take care of people often, we don't always do the best at taking care of ourselves And so it's going to be real important to tap into some of today's conversation, as well as it's important for us to be just as informed so we can talk to our patients about important health and wellness things, especially for our women. And not to mention this, she also has this skill set, this gift of around the topic of finances, saving money, making the most of your money. Now, listen, who doesn't want to save and make more money? So we're going to go ahead and bring her into the conversation. So I am going to be bringing nurse Aisha Williams. She is a certified nurse midwife, but let's bring her on. Can I just say thank you so much for having me? Oh, sure, sure. This is overdue. (laughs) This is overdue because I've been watching you on Instagram. I mean, and your TikToks are really good. I mean, I know it's on Instagram, but listen, I don't have the moves. I mean, you have the moves and you have the tips to go along with all those, you know, when you're like, I don't, I don't have it. That's why you don't see me doing it. It comes with some trial and error. Oh, it takes it takes a few shots to get the right one. But yeah, thank you so much for having me on your platform. I was just kind of fanning out on my Instagram saying, you guys, you won't believe this. I'm going to have an interview with Ask Nurse Alice. Like everybody knows who you are. We know that you are a huge contributor to the nursing community. So, you know, I'm super excited to be here. So thank you so, so much. Well, thank you. I'm just excited to chat with you and on a whole bunch of things. So I'm not. So let me just go ahead and just jump on to it. So um, Aisha, you are a certified nurse midwife. So I'm a family nurse practitioner and a clinical nurse specialist. So these are advanced practice roles that sometimes people hear, but I have to be honest, there's some confusion, right? Mm -hmm. In nursing when it comes to our roles and what's an advanced practice role, what's not, what do they do? How How do they differ from a physician and things like that? So could you start by just telling us a little bit more about yourself, why you became a nurse and how you ended up as a certified nurse midwife. 
Sure, absolutely. So let's see, I'm trying to think how far back should I start with my story? So my mom is a nurse. And I will say for the longest time, my mom was like, you should go into nursing. It's a great career. There's a lot of job stability, financial stability, and that kind of thing. And I think that when you're young, the last thing you want to do is listen to anything that your parents try to encourage you to do. So I was just like, nope, don't want anything to do with it. Not going into nursing, never, not going to happen. So in my undergrad, I actually didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew that I wanted to travel. So I actually spent my undergrad learning Spanish and I was able to study abroad for most of my undergrad. So I didn't know what I was going to use Spanish for, but I used to hear all the time that if you're bilingual, you're going to be more marketable in whatever profession you take on. So I did that in my undergrad. And then I also decided to minor in broadcast journalism. Again, I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. And so when I was when I finished my undergrad, I had finally decided that I was going to listen to what my mom said and go into nursing. And so I started to volunteer in a hospital and I got a volunteer role in labor and delivery and working in the NICU, believe it or not, with preemies. And so once I got to see some of the behind the scenes of what the nurses were doing and things like that and holding these babies, I actually got pretty hooked from then on. And then I just really got kind of narrow-minded and focused on a career path in women's health nursing. Okay. So that's a, a very interesting journey and it's colorful. So, and for those of you who are listening, listen, we always say that there's no one pathway to becoming a nurse or advanced practice nurse. You can see that many people take different pathways and it actually makes the profession more rich. So, I mean, I didn't know you spoke Spanish. So hablo poquito español también, pero a little bit, just a little bit, but you know, I speak Spanish too, but that must've been amazing going to a whole nother country and a culture and immersing yourself to learn another language. Yeah. Honestly, I, when I went to Costa Rica, I didn't have any plans of coming back. Well, essentially, initially when I went, I was supposed to go for three months. I stayed with a host family. And after the three months, I was like, you know what, how can I, how can I stretch this out? What can I do to not only earn my degree here, but also continue to immerse myself in the language? At one point in time, I didn't think I was ever going to come back to the States. That's like how hooked I was. With being there. So yeah, it really worked out. Knowing another language is very helpful, especially when you encounter patients, you know, in the healthcare system. We still have people who access the healthcare system who English is not their primary language. So it speaks volumes when we have providers that can, you know, culturally uh, and linguistically connect with with patients. So that's awesome. Absolutely. And then the journalism piece, that's interesting too. So how's that helped you in some of your in your nursing world? Well, it's interesting because when I went into broadcast journalism, I thought, okay, I would be a news anchor. I really thought that I was going to be able to just go to these places that, you know, in society, whether it be like inner cities and, you know, other countries, third world countries, and really kind of report what people don't see in mainstream media. And what I think I learned and what kind of deterred me a little bit from the path of journalism, or at least at the time when I was pursuing it, is I felt like we weren't really getting to those kind of stories, there was a lot of other stuff going on that was getting in the way of really getting to, I guess, the meat and potatoes of what I wanted to do. So I decided that it wasn't the best fit for me. And then also, I felt like there were just other people who were better than me. Like, I'm a type of person, like, if I do something, I want to be really good at it. And I felt Mm -hmm. like, man, like, this person is just like a natural in front of the camera. And they just like, they can do this take in one go. And I would just be completely doing 
take after take after take. So something about that was just like, I don't know, call me a quitter, but I was like, you know, Aisha, let's move on to something that, you know, might be more of a natural fit for you. And, you know, I, I pursued a career in nursing. And I really think that that is a good fit for me. I think it's just like, we go hand in hand, me and, and nursing, but also that part of me that wanted to pursue broadcast journalism has been able to come out in social media and the platforms that I'm currently using YouTube to talk to nurses and other women about their feminine health and then of course here on or on instagram with my platform i'm able to kind of do some broadcast there and get into some reels and things like that so it's been a bit of a mixture between the two that i'm pretty happy with oh it's good i'm so glad and you know it always feels good when because sometimes we take classes like i'm never going to use this i'm never going to use that and then it's like some way somehow sooner or later it comes back full circle you're like that's why i took that class so that's that's yeah. awesome now let's talk about, so some of your specialties. So a certified nurse midwife, for those people sure. who are confused a little bit, cause I know, let's be honest, I know some of y'all are, because even when we get to, when we say advanced practice nurse role, they're, they're like, well, what's that? So within the profession and especially more, you know, for the lay person. So can you explain to people what a certified nurse midwife is and what is it that they do? Absolutely. So at first, I want to make the distinction between like a certified midwife and a certified nurse midwife. So a lot of times, you know, okay, the term midwife has been around for ages, right? So we kind of think of the word midwife and we think of like an older woman who's doing like a home birth delivery that's natural, no medication, women in a tub bearing down for their labor. And, and while that does happen, things have become more modern and it's advanced. The term midwife has advanced from that. And so the certified midwife is is when you think of the word midwife is more practicing in those ways that we kind of historically associate midwifery to be but now modern day nurse midwives are, are nurses. We're advanced practice nurses. And a lot of times our programs are concurrent with family nurse practitioner programs or women's health nurse practitioner programs or psych. So for me personally, I went to Seattle University and the program I was alongside my cohort was made up of family FMPs, midwifery, psych, and gero, adult gero. So, and then depending on your program, but in mine in particular, after we got into a certain phase in the program, we kind of split off and did our own roles. So yeah, as a, as a certified nurse midwife, I, I took the NCLEX, so I passed the NCLEX. And then of course, the midwifery practice has its own board. So I passed my midwifery boards. And now I currently practice all outpatient. So as a midwife, you do have some options. Midwives and women health nurse practitioners are very similar in their role. And I think a lot of people are very familiar with a women's health nurse practitioner. That kind of makes more sense in terms of, okay, this is a practitioner who specializes in women's health. When you think of women's health nurse practitioner, then you might want to go ahead and think of a certified nurse midwife as well. And the difference in scope is that a, a nurse midwife is doing deliveries, whereas a women's health nurse practitioner doesn't. And so those deliveries, contrary to popular belief, aren't usually inside some, a woman's home or anything like that. A lot of times their women are, are being delivered in hospitals alongside ob gynees And a lot of times, honestly speaking, your patients don't even know the difference between a midwife and an ob gynee A lot of my patients just are, call me their ob gynee They don't always know the difference because our roles is quite similar, especially in the outpatient setting and then when we go to deliver them in the hospital. So if I'm someone who, you know, as a woman looking for someone to help me 
along my, you know, my pregnancy or wanting to deliver my child, how do I, how do I find a certified nurse midwife? Let, let's say I don't want, you know, a standard OBGYN physician in my care. And I'm otherwise a pretty normal, safe pregnancy. How do I find a certified nurse midwife? How many are there? Are there a lot of them practicing or is this um, a smaller population of uh, providers? I think that it's definitely growing. I think it's growing. And I mean, just like you would find an OB-GYN, you can go through your insurance, like whatever your insurance is, go and search for a midwife, or you can take it to even Google and say, what's a CNM or certified nurse midwife in my area? And more more times than not, you'll find that there are a, a, a midwife group that delivers at all the you know major hospitals in your, in your city. And depending on which state you're in, if you prefer more of a like less medical managed delivery, say you don't want to, you're not necessarily like, okay, I want to be all natural or I want to do a home birth, but maybe you, you want something more relaxed, like a birthing center, then I would just Google like birthing centers in my area. And in, in certain states, especially in the West coast, midwives have, nurse midwives have a little bit more autonomy and more scope of practice. So you'll find a lot of midwife groups who are just practicing, you know, on their own without, without being alongside an MD or anything like that. So I would just say, look through your insurance or or just, you know, depending on whether you want to deliver in a hospital or if you want to do more of like a birthing center and you have a low risk pregnancy or you think you're going to be low risk, just Google birthing centers or midwives in my area. You'll find that there's plenty. Okay. And Aisha, I also want to ask because there'll be a mixture of nurses and general uh, non-health professionals that are listening. And some people, for various reasons, either they want to become a certain a certified nurse midwife like yourself, or they might be looking for someone to help them in their care. But I, I've been starting to see more doulas, the word doula come up. And I'll be honest, even as an APN, I'm not as familiar with the role. Can you help us distinguish what is a, a doula versus what it is that you do? Absolutely. So, okay, before I answer that question, let's talk about like, I guess a little bit of the difference between an OB-GYN and your mid and a midwife. So it's like, okay, well, when it comes down to it, what am I looking for? What kind of birthing experience do I want to have that's going to help me decide whether or not I want to go with a traditional MD, OB-GYN, or go with a nurse midwife? And so the midwife midwifery model of care is just really to take a holistic and natural approach to a woman's pregnancy. So say, for example, you want to try to have a natural delivery. My goal as a midwife is to help facilitate that. My goal is to, you know, to carry out the birth plan that you have in your mind. So what we know, what research suggests to us is that if you intervene too much in a woman's laboring process, it increases the risk for adverse effects, you know, in that, in that labor. So say, for example, you decide you, you want something for pain management, you want an epidural, Okay, that's fine. We're, we're not against epidurals as midwives, but we want you to know some of the risks associated with epidurals so that you can make an informed decision on whether or not you really want the epidural. And beyond that, if you do decide you want an epidural, what time in your laboring process is the best time? Because research shows that if you get an epidural right away in your pregnancy, that can slow down the progression of your labor. And when your labor progression is slowed down, that increases your risk for a C-section. And of course, C-sections come with other risks, right? So our goal as midwives is to always keep you informed so that way you make the best decision for you. We're there to give you the best experience, but we want it to be your personalized experience. Um, another thing that midwives do is we really try to make sure that women go into their labor with a birthing plan. So 
you don't want to be so stringent, but we want you to have an idea of like what to expect when you go into labor. So it allows women to feel like they're, you know, they are in control. We aren't as medical professionals telling you how to go about this process. So say you want to try to go into do a natural delivery, then we want to talk about talk to you about some of those barriers that exist to a lot of women that stop them from having a natural birth. And that means like, maybe you're not prepared for the pain. So what are you going to do to kind of soothe yourself through some of these, some, some of the pain that you're going to have when you're in labor? So whether that be taking birthing classes, whether that be learning how to breathe, whether that be, you know, having a, your partner, you know, how can your partner best help you in the laboring process? What can they do? Do you have a ball that you can, you know, use to help uh, labor down? So these are all the things that we want to put in front of the pregnant mom so that she can be informed of like what to expect. And we're there to just kind of facilitate the process as best as possible. And so those are the kind of things we, you know, we, we want to make, encourage skin to skin. So after you have your baby, you know, midwifery model care really makes it a priority for a mother-baby bonding as soon as possible. So not do we don't want to just take the baby over to the warmer, start doing all these things, shots and everything like that. No, we want to allow you to have some skin to skin with your baby so because that's so important. The baby just into the world, baby's terrified. And so the baby wants to feel close to you. And 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 that shows what skin to skin shows is that that reduces the baby's heart rate, that reduces the baby's stress, and it starts that bonding process. We also talk about breastfeeding. You know, we want to, we want you to go into your labor being as informed as possible because there's a lot of barriers to breastfeeding. It's not as intuitive as women a lot of times think. They don't prepare for their baby to not latch. They don't prepare for the pain that can come with it. They don't prepare for, you know, baby being fussy and, you know, hungry and that kind of thing. So we really just try to, you know, prepare you for what to expect from delivery and the postpartum period. So that's a little bit different. That's a little bit of a breakdown between the difference between an OB-GYN and an MD. Now, some of y'all are going to come for me and say, hey, I'm OB-GYN. We do the same thing. I'm not saying you don't. I'm just saying these are kind of cornerstones of midwifery model care. And so then as a midwife, we're, we're managing your labor. So we're the ones there who are encouraging you to push. We're telling you when you should push, telling you how to push. We're telling you whether or not your pushes are effective. So we're right there with you. We're right there with you throughout the process. Another mainstay of midwifery model care is to be right there with the patient, like in the room a lot of times. We're, there, we're bothering you. We can, we can leave. Well, you Cause I, well, let me, and I don't mean to interrupt, but I remember when I had my baby, I felt like the doctor wasn't there. And this is no shade to doctors. This is my personal experience that it was really the nurses who were managing everything. And then yeah. I kind of heard this, like, call me when she's such and such dilated or such and such a face. I kind of remember that, but I felt like I was already pushing before the doctor come, came back in. So all of the instructions and directions were coming from the, the nurses who were like wiping my forehead and helping me yeah. like, holding my hand. And so- so you'll be in there to kind of help me with my pushing and breathing also? That is the goal. Okay. That That is the goal. We want to be right there. We don't want to say, okay, baby's crowning, and then we're running in to glove up and just catch the baby, cut the cord, and pass it to the nurses. No, we want to be there. We want to be there coaching you through it. That is kind of the mid midwifery model, and that kind of is what sets us apart. We want to be right there. We've been with you through the pregnancy. We're not going to walk away, not at, you know, in labor. So, yeah, that is one of the things that you will notice is the difference between a midwife and an OB-GYN. And, you know, we, that's just, that's 
just kind of what we do. And we're also nurses. So nurses, you know, have a certain bedside manner that we're familiar with. And we try, you know, we maintain through being a midwife as well. Now the doula though, is a doula someone who's formally trained anything similar to a nurse or a midwife? Or is a doula something complementary to having a nurse midwife? Exactly. And, and you can, okay, so it's complimentary. They don't necessarily have to have any formal education. I think there is like a certificate program you can go through to become a doula, but it, it doesn't, it's not mandatory. And so they don't necessarily have any medical background, but that's not to say that some doulas don't, you know, take it on upon themselves to do more of their research. But a doula is there to just kind of help facilitate what you want, what you, what you um, outline in your birthing plan. So a, a, a doula is also there to help advocate for the patient. You know, when you're in pain, a lot of times you might go into this thing saying, hey, you know, I want a natural delivery. Like, you know, I, I'm going to do this. And then as soon as you have those first contractions, you're like, mm, no, where's the epidural? You know what I mean? And, and the doula is there to kind of, hey, remember your birthing plan? Are you sure this is what you want? To help to kind of encourage you and remind you of what you said you wanted your experience to be like. And then also say you do end up wanting epidural. That's completely fine. The doula is going to be there to, you know, rub your back, to hold your hand. They're just there kind of as an assistant to keep you as calm and comfortable as possible throughout the process and to be an advocate for you. You know what I mean? Because sometimes, you know, not all the time do we have a significant other there with us especially a certain demographic of, of women. So it's nice to know that even though I may not be completely capable in this moment to kind of communicate what I what I want and what I need, I have my, my advocate here for me. And sometimes, you know, doulas can be more versed in like talking with doctors, talking with nurses, because the everyday person might be a little bit intimidated to communicate their needs and concerns with the doctor who's walking in with their white coat and telling you what to do or, you know, whoever is delivering it. But the doula is kind of like, I've got this. This is what I do. I'm going to take care of you. So, yeah, it's just like a kind of cherry on the on the top okay. experience. And that, and that makes sense. So now I have a better idea of what everyone's role is or what kind of their scope is in the pregnancy process and the delivery process. Now, sometimes gonna, I wanted to touch on briefly is also, it's very important. So even if I'm saying briefly, it's not because it's not as important, but maternal mortality seems to be up in women of, you know, brown and black. And it seems like the statistics show that brown and black babies are more likely to die during delivery than non-brown and black babies. As someone who works in that, within that specialty, what do you believe are some of the drivers or reasons why that's happening or, or has that started to change at all? Mm, no, this takes me back to my epidemiology class in school when, you know, it, for a long time, it was hard for me to wrap my head around. Like, I remember one time I was sitting in class and I was like, why? It just it was a just a thought out of nowhere. I was like, why do I hear about more black women having like C-sections than than other women? And I remember thinking like my mom, all of her deliveries were a C-section and I just, I wondered, I remember asking the question of like, what is it that, you know, makes black women or seemingly black women have more C-sections? And so we kind of talked about it and we broke it down a little bit more. And, and it's such, it, it is, and when you say brief, it's one of those things that's really hard to talk about briefly. But I think 
the quickest answer is that I just don't think that we are given the time and opportunity to be educated on our health. And so therefore, a lot of times providers don't, we're not as informed, I think, as we need to be. We're not as informed as we need to be. And I think that the best patients, you are fully informed and you make those decisions based on the education that you have. And so I think that this demographic of women is just kind of have been just kind of instructed to do things more than they're being educated on what what's going on and empowered to make the best decisions for themselves. Also just stress. Um, a lot of uh, black women, black women face a lot of stress in their everyday lives. And so that stress, you know, increases cortisol in your, in your body. And when you have more cortisol in your body during pregnancy, that can increase your blood pressure, right? That increases your blood sugar. So when you have increased blood pressure in pregnancy, that can lead to, you know, that's gestational hypertension, which can lead to preeclampsia. And then you have gestational diabetes, which can also lead to preeclampsia. And these things can lead to, you know, preterm delivery, stillbirth, and all these things. So I think stress, stress just from our day-to-day experience as Black women in this in this country, but also also not being a demographic of people that people don't really invest in us enough to give us the courtesy to be aware of what we need to know in order to make informed decisions on our health. I think it's a combination of, of that kind of cultural experience and then also the lack of dedication to, to us as Black women. Yeah, I would agree. And, you know, even though I'm I'm not in a different special in the ER and the ICU. I definitely see that some of the systems and processes that are in place don't facilitate that edu- you know, time for education and empowerment of people to make decisions. It's more of like, hurry up, get them through the system, you know, just do this, just do that. And I think we really need to shift that. So I tell people, you know, although it's healthcare, I really kind of call it sick care because by the time you come to the ER and ICU with me, you're sick, something's yeah. happening. So you've been working in this field of women's health, you know, helping to bring babies into the world and all of this. And I'm sure there are several other people who are listening to you right now, like, oh my gosh, I want to do what Aisha does. Do you have any suggestions or tips for people who are, you know, looking to enter nursing and follow that pathway? Any early tips to kind of shave off some of the scenic routes that maybe some of us like, like I took in, <laughs> or maybe you took in your education? What Any tips for them to get through it a little more directly? Yeah. I think, well, I guess if we're talking to like, you mean like a person who hasn't even gone to college yet? Yes. Just maybe, maybe I'm just graduated or I've been out of high school for a while, or maybe I've taken some classes and I still, I I haven't quite uh, uh, invested in a a career pathway yet, but I know that I want to take care of women. I want to take care of pregnant women and help deliver babies. Yeah, absolutely. So that's one of the cool things I think you touched on this earlier that there's not there's not usually one way to get to your final destination in nursing. The good thing is that there, there are usually multiple paths. So say that you have graduated from high school and you want to become a nurse midwife, then you know if if you I think it's always important to consider the financial obligation to to go into nursing school. So if you have a scholarship to get your bachelor of science in nursing, then by all means go ahead and do that. And once you get your bachelor in nursing, then you'll 
take the boards, the NCLEX boards become an RN. And then, you know, a lot of times it's recommended that you do a couple of years um, as a bedside RN. So labor delivery, mother, baby, postpartum unit, something like that. It's, it's recommended, but it's not a mandatory thing. And then after, you know, you get your feet wet in L&D, that kind of thing, and you decide, hey, yeah, I really like it here. This feels like home. Then, you know, you can enroll into a master of science of nursing program and or FNP, it, any type of nurse practitioner or advanced practice nurse program usually is going to be alongside, like I said, other uh, advanced practice specialties. And then you can specialize in nurse midwifery. And then, so that's one route. Or if you aren't really sure of what you know, if you have a scholarship or your ability to pay for a BSN, then you can kind of piece together your role. You can go get your associate's degree in nursing, become an RN, and then there are some bridge programs from RN to BSN, and then, or there are some bridge programs, I believe, from RN to MSN. So, you know, there are some different options available to you, but I think the most direct path is just to become a, a get your BSN in nursing and later on get your MSN. Now, you mentioned the finances and scholarship yeah. and things like that. Now we're going to get to the, the money, the bag, the things like things like that. And so, Aisha, you have been a voice on social media talking about not only the things that you do as far as, you know, your nursing profession, but really like the finances of it all, because you you know, let's be honest, we need, you need money to pursue these things, to go to school, you know, to invest in your education and things like that. And I've seen you share a lot of tips and tools on social media about, you know, how to pay for school, how to pay off student loans. And I think, and I correct me if I'm wrong, you said you paid off your student loans in two years. Did I, is that, was that what you did? I off a big portion of my student loan in two years. Yeah. Okay. A big portion. Five thousand dollars. We're at eighty Woo! now. That was a, that was back in like June. So we're about eighty, a little bit over eighty thousand dollars in student loans. In two years. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Two years now for the eighty part. Seventy-five thousand was two years. Listen, some of us have still got that puppy on deferment because we just don't even because we're like running. We're running from the inevitable because. We just wanted to get to school and we're like, oh, yes, I'm a, I'm a nurse. I'm making this money now. But hello, student loan is knocking. Knock, knock, knock. You got to pay me back. So and I'm, I'm going to have to bring you back for a part two on this. But I'm just curious, how were you able to pay so much back on your student loans in a short period of time? You know, that's a lot of money that you paid back on your student loans. Really? Absolutely. Yeah. And you know what? It's Okay. So... When you ask the question about the the what would be my best advice to nurses, you know, getting to becoming a nurse midwife, um, mm -hmm. that's one thing. But then my best advice to nurses who are cons or people who are considering a career in nursing is to have a financial plan. I think a lot of times we think of nursing and we're like, yeah, I just can't wait to have those credentials at the end of my name. And you, you'll get there by any means necessary. You're not necessarily looking at the debt that you're going into in order to become a nurse. And if I could have done things differently, I definitely would have put that at the forefront, even though I thought I was doing that, even more so. So to answer your question, yes. I was able to get funding that's available to nurses to pay back my nursing student loans. And so because I get monthly large lump sums of money to 
direct deposit into my bank account, I'm able to be aggressive in paying down my nursing student loans. But this was not always the case for me. In fact, when I went into my MSN, when I went into my master's of nursing, I knew that in order for it to happen, I needed to have a financial plan because I had already had student loans from my undergrad. And I was like, Aisha, this is what you want to do, but how are you going to pay for it? And so I would did some research and, you know, long and behold, I came across some scholarship opportunities that wouldn't just give me like $5,000 or $10,000 and things I have to kind of piece together to cover tuition, but no, it was a full ride scholarship. And so I was just like, okay, so God is telling me, yes, this is for you. We can make this happen. And so once I realized that the funding would be taken care of, I applied to nursing school, got into the MSN program, and then I applied to the scholarship program. And, you know, it never, ever crossed my mind that I wouldn't get the funding. And so <laughs> it never crossed my mind. I just thought for sure I'm going to get this money. And, and, and it turns out that I wasn't able to secure it that first time. And it was super discouraging because I was like, wait. Aisha, like, what are you going to do? This is a lot of money and this is not what you plan to do. But of course, I was already in the program, so I kept going. And I was pretty discouraged, though, because even the next year I didn't reapply because I was just like, well, if I didn't get it once, then what's going to make me be able to get it again? And so then once I graduated from school, I was like, Aisha, like, there's you you have to have a plan. You, you got to... <laughs> You got to get some help with this. And so I decided to uh, apply again. But instead of from a, a scholarship standpoint, I was applying from a loan repayment standpoint. And I did I, I did that and I still didn't get it. <laughs> so I, I yeah. So I was on this path of like there was some despair there because I'm like, like, what am I do? Like, what's happening? Like, I need this funding. And all the while I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a master's degree nurse. I'm making a lot of money, but guess what? My money is going towards my student loan debt. And so I don't think nurses always think about that, especially if you are an RN and you want you're wanting to advance in your, in your career, you think, okay, I want to be an APN. I want to have some more of that autonomy. But if you don't have a financial plan for that, then essentially that increase in pay is going to turn around and be put towards nursing student loan debt. So it's something that you need to consider. And so I was making minimum payments on my student loans all throughout those couple of years after uh, nursing school. I was always on time. My payments were up to date, but I was not even making a dent in the actual principal balance of the loans because I had so much interest that was just like killing me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like how am I going to get, how am I going to get, yeah. And, a, and I was not alone. So many nurses are doing that. You feel like, okay, you know, once you finally become a nurse and you, you have that increase in pay, you're just kind of student loans is just kind of in the closet. It's the thing that you just yes. don't want to talk about. It's like, I'm going to put it over there and somehow, I, I don't know. But I realized making all these minimum payments, but I always just had that doom over me of like, man, like this isn't really my money. You know what I mean? Like doom. You're right. A cloak, a cloud just following you because you're making this, you have this nice big paycheck. You're like, yes, yes. But then it's like, hello, hello. And you just want to ignore that voice. So Aisha, so tell us, like, how do I create a financial plan? Like, where are the tools for this? Because I think you have some tools to help some folks with their nursing journey and helping to plan around these finances, right? Yes. So actually, I, I will say that finally, you guys, I, I didn't give up. And finally, I was able to secure loan repayment. So I'll say that my hard work 
finally paid off. And what I realized when I finally secured the loan repayment, I, I realized I took a very methodical approach to the application cycle that year. I wanted to help other nurses. I wanted other nurses to become aware of the financial resources that are available to them because I know I'm not the only nurse. I do coaching and I hear from nurses all the time about how much student loan debt they have, how much credit card loan debt they have. And a lot of time it's because once we get our credentials, we're like, okay, I worked hard. Let me start, you know, treating myself and we treat ourselves and we treat ourselves and we just let this, you know, these student loans grow. So for that reason, I wanted to help nurses to not only know that these resources are available to them, but how to secure them. I made so many mistakes in the application process and it took me so much time, so much energy, so much money that I've taken that out hopefully for nurses. And my toolkit, it's actually called Go to Nursing School for Free Toolkit. So whether you're a nurse, you're a nursing student, or you are a nurse who wants to advance in your nursing career, this toolkit is, is great for you because it lets you know about these resources available to you. And then beyond that, it's a step-by-step -step guide on how to maximize your chances of securing the bag your first time of applying. So you're not like me spending three or four years stuck in this application cycle while you make minimum payments on your student loans and never get to the principal balance of your student loan debt. So that is that is my gift to the nursing community. When I tell you, I wish I, I knew not, I mean, cause it was one thing I knew about the resources. Great, here are the resources, but if you don't know, you don't know how to secure them or you become discouraged and overwhelmed and you just kind of give up on them, then how do those resources benefit you? So I really just want to empower nurses, encourage them to leverage their nursing credentials and take advantage of the financial resources available to them so that they can take that income and actually put it towards the things that they want to do, investing, making a, a really good emergency fund or, you know, buying a home, the kind of things that we really want to do versus using our money to pay back student loan debt. Where do we find this this toolkit of yours, this, this treasure that we all need? Because listen, mm -hmm. I, it sounds like it's a tool for not just people just entering nursing school, but even if you're going back for another degree or another specialty, it sounds like this is a tool that might be helpful in all pursuits of education. In all pursuits of nursing education. Yeah. So wherever you are, if you have a if you're if you're a registered nurse and you have nursing student loan debt, then this is for you. If oh, you are Thinking of coming, if you say you just got an accept, this is really important because a lot of times I think people think, well, this is like the down the stream type of funding. No, if you've been accepted into nursing school, then the toolkit is for you because it's going to talk about scholarship opportunities, things that as soon as you get accepted into a nursing program, you want to be in the know of these financial resources that so that you never accrue the debt to begin with. And so uh, nurses can find my toolkit on my Instagram in my bio. There's a link and it'll take you to the website and it'll talk more about, you know, what you can expect from the toolkit. And yeah, I highly recommend that nurses don't, don't let this opportunity pass you by. Don't sit back using your hard earned money to pay towards student loan debt when there are resources available to nurses to, to tackle the debt. And I think that's important because I don't recall there being a conversation in nursing school about finances, unless you are doing something like in a leadership program. Finances has not always been paramount or, you know, at the top of the conversation when it comes to how to be a nurse. Now they say like, you know, being mindful of your resources, but we've never really talked much about finances, getting through nursing school or even cost of healthcare for that matter in nursing. And I'm, I'm glad to see the pendulum shifting. I'm glad to see influencers and experts like yourself sharing their own lived experience. Because it's one thing for someone to, to get up and just say, oh, you should do this and try this and try this. But to actually say, hey, 
this was my experience. And as you mentioned, you experienced despair, frustration, you were in the program and you kind of just figured it out. Now you want to help the rest of us not have to experience what you went through. So I thank you and applaud you for that. And listen, a lot of people are going to thank you for that also. So it sounds like we can get that from your uh, Instagram, clicking the link in uh, your bio and checking out your resources. What else is on that Instagram link in that bio? What else can we, what else can we expect or get from your, your social media presence and, you know, all the gifts and tools you have to share? Thanks. So if you click on the link in the bio, it'll also show you my YouTube channel. And with my YouTube channel, I really try to flesh out more of the ideas and things that we talk about on Instagram. You know, Instagram is for the short attention span, but if you guys want to give a little more time to uh, women's health topics and personal finance tips, then you can follow me on my YouTube where I go more in depth about budgeting, how you can set up a budget. I also talk about things like a lot of times are overlooked when you're signing up to become a nurse and you're in HR and you're going through all these papers and you're just signing, putting your John Hancock, but you don't really know what you're signing up for. But things like FSA accounts and HSA accounts and life insurance and certain medical plans that you're opting into and your 401k, how much should you be contributing to that? What does it look like? How much money do you want to have when you reach retirement age? So these are the kind of things that a lot of times we put off and we think, oh, I don't need to talk about that till later. So I flesh out more of these topics on my YouTube channel as well. Just, you know, my goal here is, you know, in nursing, we've secured a very stable profession, you know, and we have stable income, but a lot of times if we don't do the right things with our resources we can find ourselves living paycheck to paycheck like any other person with a job and i think that nurses just have a lot of financial resources available to us that we need to be able to tap into you know what i need to click on that link asap immediately as soon as we're done with this interview because <laughs> i think you know any nurse whether you're a new nurse experienced nurse even a retired nurse it sounds like aisha has something for you you can all stand to save a little money penny pinch here and there because Listen, I, just this morning, I was struggling with, oh my goodness, I let that subscription keep going. Now I'm getting charged the full price at like every month. So we've all been there. We've all been mm-hmm. there. I don't care if it's $4.99 or $49.99. We all want to save as much money as possible. Absolutely. So thank you so much for those resources. So guys, please be sure to follow Nurse Aisha. She's on Instagram and YouTube at Nurse Midwife Bay. Click on the link in her bio. Aisha, we appreciate you so much for your contribution to nursing, for representing the profession well, and for also helping us to look a little bit more, look a lot more into our finances, the things that we don't always talk about immediately when we think of nursing. So thank you for helping us to think bigger picture, okay? Because guys, listen, I know I'm not the only one. I might be the only one who will say it, but listen, I don't want to be broke. I work too hard in the hospital to give all my money away to my student loans. Guys, I want to thank you so much for tuning in to the Ask Nurse Alex podcast brought to you by nurse.org. Listen, we're going to talk to you and bring the best of the best of the best experts who are going to share their stories and really give us some tools to be better clinicians. And even if you're not quite a nurse yet, help you on your journey to becoming a nurse. And listen, if you're not in the health profession at all and you just wanted to you love nurses, you like nurses, just want to see what we're talking about. We have stuff for you too. So I'm sure you know someone who may be interested in nursing. So please make sure to share this information with them because sharing is caring. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the Ask Nurse Alice podcast. And 
Also, you can check out nurse.org. Thank you to them for helping to support the podcast. Visit them at nurse.org.com. You can also follow them on social media at nurse underscore org. And they're on Facebook at nurse.org. And I'm your host, Nurse Alice. It's always a pleasure to chat with you guys. You can go to my website at asknursealice.com. And also make sure to check me out on social media. I'm Ask Nurse Alice on all social media platforms. So guys, please make good choices. Be kind to one another. And until next time, live well, my friends. Thanks for listening to Ask Nurse Alice. Visit nurse.org for nursing career, education, and community resources.